in a series uh, called Vital Christianity where we have gone through the book of James and we now find ourselves at the end of uh, James chapter 3. Um, and so we're, we're picking up right now in verse 17. So I want to read 17 and 18. And uh, that those are the last two verses in James chapter 3. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. You can't get much more practical in a definition of wisdom than that. As I was reading that this week, I thought, this definition, this practical definition of wisdom must frustrate some people. It must frustrate the people who their entire definition of wisdom is that that has to do with attained knowledge or attained attained wisdom, something they've you know, strived for and, and built for and studied for so that they could be perceived as wise. And they receive this, they read this definition and it says, first it's from above, then it's pure, it's peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering and without hypocrisy. You can look at that and say, that's not much of a definition. That, that seems more like traits of character than it does a definition of wisdom. And to that we'd say, uh-huh, it does. See, God cares about character. The qualifications for a leader, according to Scripture, are character. You go to 1 Timothy chapter 3, and what it says that a leader should be, it's character. You look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, on what a leader shouldn't be. It's things that are devoid of character. God cares about character. He requires it from his leaders. And it's the expectation of those who are seeking him in wisdom. God cares about the end result. God cares about the road. God cares about the journey. He cares. The end result, the end result matters. It does. The end result, where we get to, the destination, the, the little uh, push pin on the end of our Google map that tells where we're going, that matters. But it doesn't matter more than the journey. It doesn't matter more than the road that the Lord takes us on to get to that place. And here's why. It's not the destination that builds character. It's the walk with the Lord. It's the road. It's the journey. Those are the things that forge character in our lives. See, God, if He wanted, He could have laid out a map before all of us and said, come gather around. Here's, here's where you're going. Here's where you're going to end up, but I want you to see the path. I want you to see every step along the way. I want you to know every turn, every climb, every straightaway. I want you to see it all, and I want you to see how it's going to take you there. But that is not what God requires, and that's not what God does. Why? Because the walk matters. The road matters. The journey matters. In the journey, in walking it out, there's constant faith that's needed with each step. 
There's constant dependence that's needed. As we look to God and go, Lord, where now? Left, right, straight. He's like, two steps back. What? That makes no sense. I know, it's my wisdom. Two steps back. The acknowledgement that is only through Jesus and with Jesus that we ever reach the destination that he has for us is vital. Do we need wisdom to get there? Yes, but not human wisdom. Human wisdom doesn't get us to God. God cannot be attained through human wisdom. It's talking with him and walking with him and learning from him and trusting him day by day. The end matters, yes, but the getting there, that matters more. James 3.17 But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. A month or so ago, maybe a couple months ago, uh, I talked about James and how so much of his writing so closely parallels uh, Matthew 5 and the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preached. And so I want to remind us of that, and I'm going to read Scripture that kind of points us to that as James has said some very powerful things where he's just simply echoing the words of Jesus Christ. The wisdom that we receive from God now, allow me a little bit of liberty here. The wisdom we receive from God is first, is first. The wisdom we receive from God is first. It is first and foremost. There are other types of wisdom. Human wisdom, man's wisdom, personal wisdom, wisdom through experience, attains wisdom. But the wisdom of God is first. It is most prominent in rank and order and position in our lives. And this is important. It is vital that we recognize that the wisdom that comes from above is from God and it is first and foremost in our lives. Other wisdom matters. Other wisdom is important. The wisdom from God is first. And then of all characteristics... Purity is listed. The wisdom from God is first pure. I love the translation of this word, of this Greek word. The secondary translation of this word is, is what we would think it to be, which is free from carnality, chaste and clean. But check out the primary translation of this word. This is how pure is primarily defined. Causing great enthusiasm for reverence, honor, and respect causing great enthusiasm for reverence, honor, and respect. And this is why James lists this as the most important characteristic. First and foremost, pure. A wise woman or a wise man creates enthusiasm for the Lord. Generates excitement for God. 
talks about a loving, perfect Father. Reminds people of a powerful, risen Savior. Gives room and place to a strategic and awesome Holy Spirit. And what is our promise in doing these things? What is our promise in generating reverence and honor and respect for the Lord? The promise is this. We'll see God. Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Then, in prominent rank, the next trait that's listed is peaceable. It's translated as loving peace and bringing peace with it. Loving peace and bringing peace with it. Friends, we can use this passage of Scripture, this James 3.17, and we can, we can hold it up as a mirror to our lives and say, where do we measure up when it comes to wisdom? Do we love peace? Is peace one of those traits that defines us? It comes with us. Peace is generated through our lives, through our actions. We love peace and it follows us. The Bible calls that wisdom. The wise one who is peaceable is also called something else. Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called what? The sons of God. The, the term son. What does it communicate? Anyone remember? We've talked about this a, a bunch. What? Ownership. Say it again. Inheritance. The term son, it communicates inheritance. The son receives the fullness of the inheritance from the father. Sonship matters. And those who bring peace, those who are peaceable, shall be called the sons of God. The third trait listed here, wisdom from above is gentle. So what do these wise, gentle sons inherit? Matthew 5, 5. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. As we're going through these things, and I look around this room, and this room is full of wise people, of wise men, of wise women, of, of wise young men and young ladies. Too often we disqualify ourselves in any way we can to take our eyes off of the goodness of God. As we read through this passage, we see nothing but the goodness of God if we align with Him, if we walk with Him, if we trust Him in the journey and we're walking it out. If someone spent a week with me and we, first thing in the morning, we got up together, grabbed coffee, ran the air I ran, did the things I did, had side-by-side -side computers. At the end of that week, that person would, for better or worse, act a little bit more like me. They would use phrases I use. They would use terminology. They would crave delicious food. And then they'd satisfy those cravings. When we walk with Jesus, step by step, walk by walk, 
We look like him. We sound like him. We resemble him. Wisdom from above is reasonable. I dig this word because this is the only usage of this Greek word in the entire Bible. It's eupathos. This word for reasonable is only used one time and it's right here. And this is how it's translated. Easily obeying. Compliant. That's, that's, def- that's the definition of reasonable. Easily obeying. Friends, are we reasonable? I talked about that mirror. So I'm, I'm asking you, don't, you don't have to blurt out answers. I'm asking you to look in that mirror. Are you reasonable? Are you easily obeying? Or do you, ha- or do you require that God justifies himself? Every step of the way. Lord, I'll obey you, but I need to know why you're telling me to do this. Friends, that's not reasonable. Ain't nothing easy about that obedience. There's nothing compliant about that. What does it require to be this type of reasonable? Faith. It requires faith. It requires believing him that he is who he says he is, that he'll do what he says he'll do, that, you know, it's acknowledging you don't understand the means or the timing or all the steps, but it's faith saying, I'm walking with you. And if you say take two steps back, I'm not going to question and ask why you required we take two steps back when we just took two steps forward. We could have avoided those whole four steps and been right there at the same place. God doesn't always want us at the same place. There's times we do things out of simple obedience to the Lord simply because He wants to see are we willing to trust Him? We don't always see the fruit for our trust. Sometimes the trust is simply to build up our faith because we'll tell, we show ourselves, I was willing to obey the King. I was willing to obey my God. And so I did what He said to do. I don't have to see the fruit. I don't have to see the, the end result in this part of the walk. He told me to turn left. I turn left. Period. But it was a dead end. Doesn't matter. He said turn left. I turn left. Maybe I was, maybe we were avoiding something. Maybe that left turn kept me from something. It doesn't matter because I'm easily compliant. I'm easily obedient. I'm reasonable. I am wise. And I am full of mercy. Full of mercy. Wisdom from above is full of mercy. Full? Full is easy to identify. Man, that guy's just full of emotion. Oh my gosh, that girl is just full of compassion. Oh my gosh, I ate too much. I am full. Man, that guy is, that politician is full of poo. Full is easy to identify. Easy to identify. Because it's, it's up at the top and then it's overflowing. And the Bible says that wisdom from above is full of mercy. 
Friends, when it comes to mercy, it's not enough that we just possess it. We have to be full of mercy. Full of mercy. Overflowing of mercy. What good is mercy in our lives if when the situation requires us to be overflowing of mercy, we're in lack of it? We're to be full of mercy. Full of grace. Friends, I promise you this. You will never regret erring on the side of being full of mercy. Ever. The regret that we will have is that we didn't show enough mercy. Right? I can't even imagine a scenario where I would regret showing too much mercy, being full of mercy, being full of grace. Matthew 5, 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. I love that if we're seeing this parallel between James and the Sermon on the Mount, that it's all the blessed ours. Blessed ours. Friends, when we walk in wisdom, we are blessed. When we walk in wisdom, we are happy. Wisdom from above is full of good fruits, full of mercy and full of good fruits. Fruitful of good things. Fertile. We apparently are a very wise church because we are a very fertile church. Don't we want our lives to be fertile? Don't we want our lives to reproduce life, to, to bring life? in our conversations, in our relationships, in our marriages, in our homes, in our families. Full of good fruits. And once again, full of it. Full of it. Full is easily recognized. Full of good fruits. If I bring you a basket and I go, you guys gather around. I just came back from the from the Palisades and, and this is full of good fruit. It's full of, of good Colorado peaches. And you come up and you go, you're full of it. There's two in there. Well, that, they're good though. Look at them. They're, they're good. Yeah, but it's not full. There's to be a fullness in our lives of bearing fruit. Our lives have to be full of fruit, good fruit. And it's not this thing that we toil and work for. It's the overflow of God's presence in our life. It's the overflow of walking in mercy. It's the overflow of being with Jesus of walking the path. If Jesus were down here physically manifested, walking, doing, living, right here in Erie, Colorado, do you think there'd be good fruits? Do you think you could follow with a big old basket and just just gather in all the good fruits? Do you think the result of his walk would be good fruits? People being touched, people being healed, people being encouraged, people being made whole, being told that they're valuable and, and special and that, that God's got a plan for them. Well, friends, what do you think the result is when we walk with Jesus doing all the things that he has us do? What do you think the result of that is? Walking with Jesus 
Good fruits follow. And not just a little. Full of good fruits. Once again, it's called wisdom. Unwavering. Wisdom from above is unwavering. Once again, James uses a word that no other author, including himself, uses again in the entire Bible. This word is used one time. Adiakratos. And this is what unwavering means. Without hesitating, doubting, indecisiveness, or uncertainty. And what a powerful word. I wouldn't call myself the biggest adventurer in the world. I have a lot of caution. I wouldn't say I'm one of those guys who just leaps without looking. I look. Then I get a proper running distance. I, I look again. I mean, I, I'm pretty cautious. This word speaks to me of courageousness that totally trusts God with our leaping. Unwavering. And what does the Bible call it? Wisdom. What would man call this? Foolishness. What? Without hesitating? No. Hesitate. Count. Weigh, weigh the cost. Doubting. Oh, a little doubt could save your life. Indecisiveness. Hey, we all have it. That might not be the best thing to do. Uncertainty. Friends, when it comes to Jesus Christ, we can have certainty. When it comes to Jesus, it is wisdom that is unwavering. Wisdom trusts God always. Wisdom trusts God every time. And wisdom trusts God quickly. It trusts God quickly. Unwavering. I'm certain. Are you sure? I'm certain. If God said it, I'm certain. Let's do it. Let's go pray for that person. But what if God doesn't heal him? What if he does? I'm certain of who God is. You guys, the world needs more wise men and women like this. And wisdom from above, the last one listed, is without hypocrisy. Without hypocrisy. Undisguised. Genuine. Sincere. That's the translation of this word. Genuine. Undisguised. Sincere. And once again, the Bible calls it wisdom. The world calls that foolishness. The wisdom says we we got to keep people at arms arms length. Wisdom says, yeah, you, you can't you can't you know don't show your whole hand. Wisdom of the world, man's wisdom says, if you don't meet your own needs, they're not going to get met. With our God, we are to be genuine, sincere, and undisguised because that's what He was with us. 
1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 25. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we, who are being saved, know it is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish, since God, in His wisdom, saw to it that the world would never know Him through human wisdom. He has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven. And it is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jew and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. And God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. We will never know God through human wisdom is what this passage says. And this was God's plan. There's certain things you just can't explain, but that doesn't make them any less valid. I mean, I've heard it described, you know, describe describe the color blue to someone who has no sight. Describe faith to someone who has not yet placed their trust in God. When I gave my life to Christ, I didn't have all the answers. When you gave your life to Christ, for those that have done so, you didn't have all the answers. But something resonated within you that said it's true. It's true. I believe. I don't have all the pieces. I haven't connected all the dots. But I believe. And I'm going to follow Him. And so we started following. And the devil hated that day. He hated that day we started following. And friends, I've got news for you. He never stopped attacking us from that day forward in, in us following God. We are still called to follow Him, to trust Him, to do all the things that He's called us to, to overcome obstacles. Sometimes you can move them out of the way. Sometimes you can't but you trust God anyway. We all desire the end result of wisdom. We all want to be wise. Wisdom is about walking with Jesus daily. Learning these wonderful things. Growing in these incredible traits because we're with Him. And next thing you know, there's wisdom just evident in our life, flowing from us. James 1, 5, and 6 says this. 
But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without doubting. Since we read that passage in 1 Corinthians 1.24 that says, Christ is the wisdom of God. Let me read this passage again, replacing the word wisdom with Jesus. If any of you lacks Jesus, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach. And it will be given to him, but he must ask in faith. The wisdom that's from above came down in human form. And he bore our sins after living a perfect life of obedience to the Father. Talk about being reasonable. Jesus Christ is the epitome of reasonable. Complete obedience to the Father. It says he did nothing except what he first saw the Father doing and what the Father told him. If we lack wisdom, ask and the Lord gives it. But we have to believe. If we do not have life and life to the fullest, if we lack Jesus, all we got to do is believe and receive it. Christ is the wisdom of God. And Jesus Christ is also the power of God. When I'm walking that walk and I know that there's times that I see something coming up. I see a a road washed out. So I start looking for the other way around and Jesus goes, no, we're going to go through it. We're going to go through it. That's tough. And with my own wisdom, my limited wisdom, that doesn't That doesn't seem like wisdom to me. You see, if God laid out that map before us, if he he laid it out there and showed us every little thing and said, come on over here, let me show you how everything is going to go, one of two things would happen. The first thing is, we'd say, "Uh, Lord, can I propose an alternate route here? Because I see you taking me to a dead end here. And that is not efficient. That is not good management of time. And Lord, I'm not trying to question you, but i got to question you that when this road is washed out here, clearly we can walk around it. Why in the world would we go through it? That doesn't make any sense to me. If God laid it all out before us, we would rewrite the script. We would take control in our limited wisdom and think we know what's best. Either we would do that, or number two, we'd say, I am not up for this challenge. You're telling me I've got to walk through all this stuff. No way. That's even God's wisdom there. It's God's wisdom to say, trust me step by step. Trust me day by day. Walk this out with me. Walk it out with me. I will take you through it. Maybe that washed out road, maybe we just walk right on top of it. Because Jesus did that and we're walking with Jesus. Peter did that, at least for a little while. Peter did it too. He's the only other human to have done that, to walk on water. Then he took his eyes off Jesus. Friends, we can't take our eyes off Jesus. But Jesus and his wisdom are what? Are first. Jesus 
is first. We give Him highest rank, authority, and position in our lives. Wisdom from above is first. Jesus is first. And then He is pure. Causing great enthusiasm in our hearts to show reverence and honor and respect to our Heavenly Father. To trust in His ways. To trust in His plans. Jesus is pure. Wisdom that comes from above is pure. And Jesus is peaceable. For crying out loud, He he spoke to the storms. He was napping in the boat. The storm raged. The waves raged. The winds, they, they thought they were going to die. And Jesus was asleep. What did he do? He got up, pointed to the clouds, to the waves. And he said, peace! Be still. And they obeyed him. Jesus is peaceable. He's the embodiment of peaceability. And because of that, when we walk with Jesus, that's what equips us to walk through that washed out road with peace. Okay, I don't understand it, and this isn't how I would do it. And this is crazy, because I totally have peace. As long as I'm with you, Lord, I have peace. And he is gentle. And Jesus is gentle. Truly. Truly. So gentle and so patient with us. So kind. And Jesus is reasonable, fully obedient, and compliant to the Father's will. And Jesus is full of mercy and full of good fruit, good things. Good life. There's no lack in him. And when it comes to his love for us, Jesus is unwavering. When it comes to his love for us, he is unwavering. There was no hesitating in giving his life for us. Not indecisive about taking our sins on the cross bearing the weight and the shame of our sin. He was certain about God's call. And that certainty was manifest three days later when, when he erupted from the tomb. Alive, victorious, our champion. And Jesus and his wisdom are without hypocrisy. Friends, he's real. He is real period. He is real. He is genuine. There's no facade. There's no mask. He doesn't disguise himself. He doesn't disguise his heart for us. He, do, he doesn't hold any of it back. I love you so much. He doesn't disguise any of the love for us. It's constantly full on, 100% all the time. And James 3.17 calls all of that wisdom. Wisdom. Friends, let's ask God for this kind of wisdom. 
It says there in James chapter 1, verse 5, if you lack wisdom, ask. Let's ask God for this type of wisdom. With faith. Why is faith required to ask for this? Because we got to believe that this is what the result will be. This is exactly what God will heap upon us, stir within us, and these are the things that will flow from us. we got to believe it. Why? Because we got to walk it out. Because we're not going to believe it at home on our couch or in bed because we never got out of bed. We get up, we get dressed, and we walk it out. Step by step, day by day, believing Him that Jesus and His wisdom go before us. Friends, let's ask with confidence and with faith to be more like Jesus. Amen?